the provinces, all the captives, all the people that was under his, under his rule and under his nation to come and bow down. When they play the music, to bow down and worship this image or worship him technically. And uh, we know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were godly men. They were, they were committed. They were faithful. They stood on principles and, and they knew that there was only one God and they knew that the command of God was to worship him and him only and they refused to bow. They refused to give in to their, uh, uh, the standards that they had in their life and they were not going to bow down to this statue. Well, word gets back. Uh, word gets back to the king. He's furious about it. Uh, he's very upset and he calls them forward. He says, bring him to me. And then, and, and the king basically says this, I'm going to give you one more chance. We're going to play that music again, and I'm going to give you a chance. Now, I'm going to kill you if you don't. There was a, a, a furnace, a furnace of fire. And they said, if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you into that furnace. Do you understand? You understand? This is real. I mean, this is not playtime. This, is, this, is, this king meant what he said. He said, we're going to throw you into this fiery furnace. And then he tagged this on. Then he tagged this on. And who is that God that will deliver you out of my hand? Another one, the ones you believe in, the one you serve, he is not powerful enough to rescue you from me. That's basically what he's saying. Now, is everybody up to par where we're at right now? Can we say amen? amen. All right, look in, look in Daniel 3. Look in Daniel 3. In verse 16, this is their reply. This is their reply to the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we're not going to beat around the bush. Uh, there's, no, there's no reason to dance around anything. We're just going to tell you this is, this is what it is. This is how it is. If it be so, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able. Say that with me. Our God whom we serve is able. He's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not. But if not. I love shouting about the he is able. But what if he don't? I know he can cure the cancer. But if not. I know he can, I know he can heal your baby's sickness. But if not. I know he can restore, I know he can restore your marriage. But if not. I know, he can, I know he can deal with your financial woes and your financial problems and he can make money appear out of nowhere. But if not. You know, I want to be, be a but if not Christian. But I'm afraid that there's a lot of us that's not. I have seen, I have seen countless numbers of people walk away from God because God didn't answer the prayer like they wanted him to. Get angry and bitter at God because God didn't do what they wanted him to do. Listen, today, by God's help, if you'll pray and help us, we're going to preach today on the subject, but if not, what do we need to know if he don't? 
What do we need to know if God doesn't move like we want him to move? Will you help me pray? Say amen. amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings, your kindness, your mercy, your goodness. I pray that you'll bless today your word, bless the truth that's in this song and in this message. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
How many of y'all know some things are easy preaching and hard living? Easy preaching and hard things. But I hope you can, I, I, love, I love cutting up. I do. I, I love cutting up and teasing and, you know, about ball games and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I, I was going to wear my orange and blue outfit. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I, I've got such an important thing to say. I didn't want anything to distract from that. And, and I hope that you can forget about yesterday, forget about all that. It's, it's, it's nothing. It, it, it's in, in, in the big scheme of things, in eternity, it means nothing. And I, I, hope you can, I hope you can just get that off your mind for a few minutes and listen to what I got to say today. I, I have, I have in, in my lifetime, in my time of ministry, I have seen a lot of tragic things. And I've seen a lot of times uh, pain and suffering and difficulty and things that made me question and things that made me wonder. You know, you may have not said this out loud, you may have not said it audibly, but there's been times in your life, where was God? Where was God when I needed him? Where was, I wonder how many, how many people were standing around that were friends, maybe relatives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and says, where's God? As they were taking him and throwing them down into that furnace, where is God? Because... They said, look, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. God is able to deliver us out of this burning, fiery furnace. But if not, we're still not going to bow down. Amen. The king was, was upset. He was mad, even furious. He, he was even more angry than he was before. And he took it and heated it seven times hotter and threw him in. And the two men that threw him in were, were consumed with the flame. It was so hot. Now, I'm telling you. I know we look at things, I know we look at things and, and at face value it looks like these guys just said, hey, but I, I have to know and I have to believe because they're human that on the outside they're saying, uh, our God is able and if he, even if he don't, we still ain't bound down. On the inside they're saying, oh God help us. Oh God, we need you. We need you. Anytime. Now's the time. They're human. And he didn't. Now, here's some things. Here's some things. I, I, I've got a lot of points, like seven of them, six of them, six of them. Just things that, that God was showing me. I, all week I've been going over this in my head. I, 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 knew, I knew early in the week what God was going to lead me to. And, 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 and so I've been thinking about it, mulling it over. And there's several things that God wants you to understand when he don't, if he don't, if he doesn't answer your prayer, like you asked him, if he doesn't do what you want him to do, when you want him to do it, if he doesn't show up like Mary and Martha for Lazarus on the timetable that you want him to, and your brother dies, what do you need to know? What do you need to know when things don't go the way you want it? What do you need to know when things doesn't happen? Listen, what do you need to know? What do you need to know when you go against that trial, when you go against that tragedy, when you, when you, when you face that traumatic experience and situation in your life? Well, the first thing, the first thing is this. You need to know he can. You need to know he can. This is what they said. This is what they said. Oh, king. Our God is able. 
Our God is able. First thing you need to know when you're facing that tragedy, when you're facing that difficulty, when you're facing your trial, when you're facing your storm, you got to understand that you have a God who can. There is nothing impossible with God. There is nothing he cannot do. There is nothing he cannot change. There's nothing he cannot fix. There's nothing that he can't put his hands on and make it better. Somebody say amen. There's nothing he can't do. He can. He can. He can. You say, why is that so important to know? Why will that help me? And how will that help me if I know he can and he don't? How will that help me? How will that help? That preacher, that's worse. If I know that he can and he don't, how is that going to help me? Number two, if he don't, you need to know, number one, he can. Number two, he has a reason. He has a reason. You, you, let's put these two together because I know this sounds crazy. I know this sounds crazy, but here's a, what would you rather know? What would you rather know or not know? Would you be rather sitting here in the dark wondering if God can help you? In other words, are we here in a dilemma, worrying, fretting, anxious about, do we have a God who can do it? Do we have a God who can fix it? Man, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be anything. That wouldn't be comforting at all. Sitting in a place where you don't know if he can. But what if it, let's change that. What if we know that he can, but he don't, and if he didn't, he's got a reason. He's got a reason. Let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.11, Ephesians 1.11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose. Say that with me. According to the, the purpose of him who worketh. Watch this now. He worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Romans 8.28. I love this. And we know that all things. How many things? How many things? All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his. Say it again. According to his. God has a plan. You may not know it. You may not understand it. You may not be able to see it. But God always has a plan. There is no backup. There is no plan B. He always has a plan. Even when things seem to be falling apart, God has a plan. Even when you're being thrown down in a pit, sold into slavery by your brothers, lied about saying that you raped somebody and you didn't, put in the king's prison, hey, God had a plan. And everything was working according to God's plan. God has a reason. God didn't do what I wanted to. He has a reason. God didn't answer my prayer the way that I asked. God has a reason. God always has a reason. God always has a purpose. God always has a plan. He always has a plan. He had a plan. He had a reason for doing what he did. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you our problem. I'm a pastor just a minute. You mean, let me tell you what we have a problem with. This is our problem. This is our problem. And I can back it up. I can back it up with Paul and Jesus. Our problem is that we all have a will. What do you mean? We all have a will. 
We have things we want in our life. We have a will. We have desires. We have it the way we want it. We have a certain way that we want life to turn out. We have a certain thing that we want and we desire. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Don't get quiet on me, y'all. You know, my will is this. My will is this. That when I get home from work, Tammy just attacks me passionately right in the doorway. Say amen. That's my will. My will is that all my kids act right and are not rebellious and are not, not, don't have an attitude all the time and argue and fuss and fight all the time. That's my will. My will is that my coon dog trees coon every time I turn him loose. But you know what I found out about life? My will in reality is way different. I'm trying to get on the level you can get and understand, are y'all? We all have what we want. We all want to have plenty of money. We all want to have plenty of money. We all want to be able to go shopping and, and actually shop. Ladies, are y'all even going to help me today? Am I telling the truth? That window shopping's for the birds. Say amen. I have people all the time. Let's go shopping. Let's go shopping. Never come home with nothing. Never come home with nothing. Just happy as just can be. Just, I said, you, you didn't buy nothing. If I'm going to go shopping, I'm bringing some home. We all want plenty of money. We, we all want the kids healthy. We don't want nobody to die. We don't ever want anybody to die. 127 years old and pray for him. Pray. Man, I want to be in heaven then. Do you get my point? We don't want nobody to die. I don't want none of my friends to die. I don't want none of my relatives. I'm, I'm, I, want, I want to hold on. Do you get what I'm trying to say? We all have stuff we want. We all have our own will. The problem is God has his. And when our will is not submitted to his will, we get bitter. Here's my point. Jesus had a will. Jesus is in the garden. He is praying to the point he is under such pressure and he's under such stress and agony in his prayer that he, he begins to sweat and he is under such pressure and that sweat begins to turn to blood because the capillaries are bursting and he is praying. He's saying, and watch this, by the way, he, he affirms point number one because he says, Father, I know you can do anything. I know you can do anything. He's affirming the fact that God can. I know you can. Let this cup pass from me. That was his will. Let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my, but thy will be done. You let me tell you why we get bitter and people get out of church and blame God and hate the preacher and hate the church and hate everything and say God's not real, he's not this, he's not that because they refuse to surrender their will to his will. And when we refuse to surrender our will to his will, this is what we're saying. We are God. We, we cease to acknowledge the fact that we are the creature and he is the creator. Amen. God made you for a purpose. Right. 
God created you for a purpose. God designed you for a purpose. And that purpose was to bring glory to Him. And when God does things in your life, He does it in such a way that it will bring glory to Him. My point being, sometimes it is bringing more glory to God to see a death than it is to see a deliverance. The Bible said that Samson killed more people in his death and he did more for the glory of God in his death than he did his entire life. I have... I have seen, we, we, we had, we had a, a young man, seven years old, I believe, I'm pretty sure that was how old Aaron was when he passed away. Our, our, our piano player, she's at Fairview now, but our piano player's son died of leukemia. And there were people saved from his life, from the, from the nurses in the hospital uh, to the funeral and everything else. He brought more glory to God in those seven little sickly years than I've seen human beings grow to 80 years old and do for God. But the problem is, is we forget that he's God. We forget that we belong to him. We forget that we are to submit and surrender our will to his will. And so when he does something that is according to his will, but not our will, we get angry and we get upset and we say that he's not real. Oh, he's real. But he's got a purpose. He's got a purpose. Ooh, it's getting real, ain't it? Well, I'm mad. That's because you're not submitted. You're not at a place where you can say, not my will, but thy will be done. You're saying, God, forget your will. Do what I want. Amen, Rev. That's good preaching. Plow it right there. Plow the ground. Look at this, number three. But if not, if not, No, he can. Number two, no, he has a reason. Verse 24. Verse 24, they've thrown Meshach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego down into the burning fiery furnace. They're walking around. Did you hear me? They're walking around. They're not even bound anymore. The ropes have done burn off of them. Verse 24, then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was a stone. It means astonished. He rose up in haste and spake and said unto the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They said, how many do we throw in? Now watch, watch. This is a long one. This is a long one. But watch this. Your situation, watch this. It may not be about you, but who it is that's watching you. I don't know why I'm going through this. Somebody might be watching. I don't know why I'm going through this trial. You may have a lost neighbor that's watching every move that you make, watching every word that you say, watching every response you have, watching how you react to your trials. And that, 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 that lost neighbor who does not know God is wondering if there really is a God. And he wants to see, are you going to face it with grace and faith? Your trial may not even be about you. 
Your trial, listen, the, the purpose of this trial, the reason for this issue, the reason for this traumatic experience, it may not have a blessed thing to do with you. God may be wanting to win your atheist neighbor by showing them that God can give grace in the midst of a storm. What happened? What happened? Someone was watching. Someone who was lost. Someone who, who did not know the one true God. Someone, and by the way, he wasn't the only one. You know, we sometimes, and I'm, I'm speaking to Christians here. If you're not a Christian here, this don't pertain to you. But uh, I think God needs to just chastise some of us of his children and his babies because sometimes we act like a bunch of babies. Sometimes we act like a bunch of spoiled youngins with our thumb in our mouth complaining and griping about everything that goes on when God is trying to do something to reach a lost and dying world and we're complaining because God's using us to do it. Your trial may not be about you. Your issues may not be about you. It might be about who's watching you. I had the privilege to baptize a coon hunter friend of mine. He's a rough guy. Rough. Mr. Marshman, you know him. Cuss out everybody to try to witness to him. But me. Never, never, never one time said anything derogatory about me. And I know he did that other stuff because I come in the room at the tail end of him explaining things to other people. When they tried to talk to him about church. And then another coon hunter that was rough too. When we was in the other building, when we was in that building, the blue, I always called it the blue building because it had blue carpet and blue chairs. When we was in that side, he come down at all the wept his way to Christ and gave, gave his life to Christ at the altar. Amen. And God drastically changed his life. Yeah. Drastically changed his life. Well, that one knew the other one. And the one that cussed out everybody and was basically an atheist who believed you just, just you know, he said to one person, when you die, you just turn to, to, to worm dirt, and you know, it's just nothing happens, you just die and it's over with. He started watching this one. Because the first thing he did was just say he did it just to so things would be better in his life. But he kept watching. And he kept watching. And he kept watching. And he kept seeing, he kept going to church. He never missed a day. He quit doing the things he used to do. Things was different. I would like to say it was because of my, my great explanation of the gospel and my, my great preaching skills, but it didn't have nothing to do with that. Sinner number one got saved because he saw a difference in sinner number two. And here we complain to God and, and whine to God about this and about that. When God may be trying to win your loved one, your son, your daughter, your aunt, your uncle, that one you've been praying all about and that one you've been seeking God. Oh, God, touch this person. God said, I'm trying to and I'm trying to use you to do it, but you won't stop complaining. Your trial may not even be about you. It might be about the one who said, who is that God that would deliver you out of my hand? God said, I'm going to show you. Number four. What was number one? Say it back to me. 
when he don't. But if not, you need to know, number one, come on, everybody. Number one, number two, he has a reason. Say it again. Number three, number four. But if not, if not, his grace will always be sufficient. <laughs> I love the part of the story. When he see, he, first he says, how many did we throw and wasn't they tied up? He said, because I'm looking at four of them and they're walking around. You see, God's will for your life may not be to keep you from the fire. It may to give you grace in the fire. God may not keep you from the chemo. He may just give you a smile during it. God may not keep you from the treatment, but may he may give you strength and grace to stand up in the midst of that difficulty so surgeons and nurses and doctors can say, there's something different about this one. He may not supernaturally drop a pile of money in your lap, but he may give you the ability and the strength to stand and say, God, I don't know what you're doing. If we had to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the rest of our life, God, you're still good to us. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Y'all with me? His grace is sufficient. Paul begged God and said, oh God, take this thorn from me. Take this thorn out of my life. Take this painful situation away from me. And God says, I can't because you'll be exalted above measure and you'll be lifted up in pride and I won't be able to use you. But Paul, and by the way, he begged this three times. He kept coming to God and said, oh, God, help me take this out of my life. Oh, God, help me. And God said, I tell you what, my grace will be sufficient. You know what that word sufficient means? Enough. Enough. You'll have what you need. You may go through the fire. You may face the flame. But my grace will get you through. If I decide and if my will is for you to go through that traumatic experience that you want me to deliver you out, if I see fit to put you through it, I'll bring you through it. Man, that's good. I'm telling you right now, that's good. He can. But if not, he will. He can. But if not, He'll bring you through it. He'll give you grace. Have you heard this phrase? I've been in funeral homes. When when every, every person's falling apart except the one that really should be. And they're just, maybe they have tears dripping off their face. But it's dripping through a smile. And they say, I don't know how you're holding up. And they'll say, I don't either. I don't know how you're making it. And they'll say, I don't either. All I know is I'm okay. See, you can't explain grace. 
You can't describe grace. All you know is I don't know how I'm doing this. I don't know why it's like this, but I know I'm okay. I know I'm going to be okay. Yes, I still hurt. Yes, it's still difficult, but there's something that's going on that I cannot explain. I'll tell you, it's the grace of God. Well, preacher, I don't know if I can go through what they went through. That's because you're not going through it. God don't give grace when you don't need it. Grace is on a need to have basis. And if you ain't got it, you don't need it. Church, say amen. amen. Number one. <clears throat> Number one. We got plenty of time. <clears throat> if not, you got to understand, he can. He can. There is not a request that you can bring to him that he can't, he can't meet. <clears throat> but sometimes he won't. Sometimes he don't. And if he don't, number two, Come on, everybody. He has a reason. He has a purpose. He has a will for your life. And the most important thing we could ever do is submit our will to his will because when we submit our will to his will, and by the way, it's a whole lot less painful. Number, number four, <clears throat> or number three, it might not be about you. It might be who's watching you. Number four, his grace will always be sufficient. My grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is enough, he says. Number five. Number five, look at verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My, his tone has changed. His, his first is, who is that God that would deliver you out of my hand? Now he's saying, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Amen. Amazing. Amazing what happens when God's people come to a fire. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word. Have changed the king's word. What is he saying? I'm eating crow. And yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Number five. Number five. You need to get this and understand this and put it in your memory banks and never forget it. His end will always justify his means. His end will always justify his means. I, I, I'm, 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 just, I'm just telling you right now, none of this is easy preaching. None of, the, none of this is easy to get and understand, especially when you're in the flickering flame or standing on the edge of the precipice waiting to be thrown into it. It's hard to believe that God knows what he's doing when your eyebrows are, are fixing to be singed. Y'all with me? When you can smell the smoke and you can see the flame and you can just, all these images are going through your head because the devil's going to run 100,000 things through your mind and you're thinking the worst case scenario about everything. It's hard to believe that God's right in doing it when he don't do it. But the end will always justify the means. But the problem is, Nikki Joe, the problem is, is that we usually never understand it or see it 
till the end. Y'all with me? The, the, the gentleman, <clears throat> Dave Reaver, Dave Reaver, he was a, he was a Vietnam veteran who, who was on a PT boat and, and, and was fixing to throw a phosphorus grenade. Most of you know phosphorus, he'll just burn through anything. They can set a phosphorus grenade on, on, a, on a top of a motor block and it'll melt right down through the motor block. Just, just unbelievably flammable. A sniper shot the, shot the grenade and it blew up on the side of his face. Blew him out of the PT boat. I mean, it just, just basically just melted his head. He was literally looking like a monster. They brought him back to the hospital and he's there in a burn unit and there's people dying all around him. The guy beside him, the guy beside him, his wife comes in and takes off her ring and sets it on his chest and she just could not deal with it. And the guy died. Dave said, I made up my mind that wasn't going to happen to me. He said, I was going to commit suicide. He said he had two lines running to him, the food line and the medicine line that kept him alive. He said, I'm going to commit suicide. And he pulled a line, but he said it was the wrong one. (laughs) And he said, instead of dying, I just got hungry. His wife comes in and tries to find the chart and looks on the chart because you can't tell who he is because of, because of all the injuries and the wounds. And, and, and she finds the chart to make sure it's him, finds his name. He said that she went to the worst part of his body and kissed it and said, I'll be yours forever. Amen. Whoop. Make a long story short. There'd be times he'd pray all night long and said, God, fix me, change me. Fix my face. I'm a monster. Everybody's scared to look at me. My face is just, Lord, would you heal me? Would you heal me? I believe you can. I know you can. Lord, I know you can take my face and put it back like it's supposed to be. And he said, I would wake up in the morning just knowing God performed a miracle. And it would be the same monster looking back at me. But if not. As he healed up and God began to move in his life. He began to speak about his situation. He began to speak about the grace of God. He began to speak about the mercy of God and the salvation of God. To a point people began, he just started having a following. And then he started flying to war-torn countries with other evangelists and and, and, and other more important evangelists, other more famous evangelists. And and listen to people through these war-torn countries who had limbs blown off and eyes blown out and all of these things. They would always flock to him. Even though he wasn't the popular one, even though he wasn't the famous one, even though he wasn't the greatest speaker. And everywhere he went, he attracted crowds. Everywhere he went, people wanted to hear what he had to say. You know why? Because he hurt like they hurt. He understood their pain. He understood their suffering. He knew what they were going through and they wanted to hear what he had to say. You know what Dave said? If it wasn't for his pain, if it wasn't for his injuries, if it wasn't for his traumatic experience, he would never be able to do for God what he's doing for God now. He would never be able to bring the amount of glory to God and see the amount of people saved through God. What are you saying? The ends justify the means. 
You may not understand it right now. You may not can figure it out right now. You may not understand why you're going through what you're going through. But I promise you this, when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, God will be justified. The end will always justify the means. I'll be honest with you, I, I, I was in South Carolina <clears throat> pastoring and, 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 and I seen God answer a ton of prayers. And then I just seen things begin to happen I didn't understand. Thought I'd be there for all my life. <clears throat> Thought that would be my forever home and then... Things that just took place that I didn't understand brought tears to my eye. God said, you're done there. I didn't get that at the time. Boy, I do now. Preacher, what are you saying? The king went from who is that God that will deliver you out of my hand to blessed be the God of Abraham, or excuse me, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The end will always justify the means. Amen. If you was asking boys, <clears throat> was it worth going through the fire to hear that king say that? They say, yep. <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me tell you something. It's amazing. The king was not moved by their preaching. Think about that. It wasn't their sermon that changed the king. It was their suffering. It wasn't what they said. It was what they went through. You may have someone you've been witnessing to forever and ever and ever, but it may not be what you say. It may be what you go through. Amen. Right. Lastly, but if you don't, you pray and pray and pray, but if not, you ask God to fix it, but if not, you ask God to change it, but if not, you ask God to move, but if not, number one, remember this, number one, he, number two, number three, Number four. Say it again. We need to say that loud like we mean it. Come on from the balcony. Say it with me. Number, number, whatever number. Five? Is it five? Is that where we're at? Five. Say it with me. Everybody say it. Number five. Number three. Number number. Pick a number. Any number. Look in verse 30. Look in verse 30. What's the first word? What's the first word? What's the first word? Then. Then. That means time. Then. What? After the fire. Not before the fire. After the fire. Watch this, watch this. Then the king, what's that word? I can't hear you. You ain't even saying like you mean it. Promoted. Promoted. 
How many of y'all like a promotion? What's the last one, preacher? There will be a reward. God never allows his children to go through the fire without a reason and without a reward. <laughs> y'all, y'all ain't getting this. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. God never lets his children go through the fire without a reason and without a reward. You say, but Jesus died on a brutal cross and he allowed it. That's right. But the Bible says in Philippians, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Say amen. One day King Jesus is going to land back on this planet and he's going to walk around as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to have a crown of gold upon his head and he will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. But it took the cross of Calvary to make that possible. That's why Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I want this cup to pass from me. I want it to be a different way. I want it to be a different thing. Oh, my Father, I know you can do all things, but let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy be done. God, if you see fit to let me go through the trial, if you see fit to make me go through the fire, if you see fit to make me carry a cross, thy will be done. Because I know you can. And I know you have a reason. And I know if you allow it. And listen, if you allow it, you will bring me through it. If you put it in front of me, you'll give me the power. You'll give me the grace. You'll give me the strength to make it through. Not my will. But thine be done. Kind of sum it up. No? No? You know what all this boils down to? I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's just get brutally... You know, Brother Randy, there ain't a person in here, if the truth be known, they know God can do something. They know He can. They know He can. If he can speak this world into existence, I mean, really, what can't he do? That's not the issue at all. That's not why we struggle at all. That's not why this is a major issue. Is the knowledge that we have. Because if the truth be known, we all know. The problem is not what we know. Here lies the problem.